Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. It is, I'm Sydney McElroy. It's such a thrill to be here, Sydney. You tried to you tried to cut me off before I got to introduce myself. You know myself. what's sad? You know what's actually sad? Do you know why I did that? Why? In my head, I was thinking, this is sounding good. That's what I was thinking to myself, like, I'm in fine voice today. That's what I was thinking, and that kept me from mm-hmm. letting you introduce yourself, yeah. and I feel guilty about Maybe it. Maybe you need to think a little bit more of others than yourself. You know, this is a great time to be thinking of others, Sydney, and one of the great ways that people can do that is by thinking of the others that make the podcast that they love. It's Max Fun Drive right now. Uh, we just have one more week, um, so you're running out of time. If you want to support the shows you love, MaximumFun.org forward slash join. We are... Uh, funded. We have advertising, uh, of course, but the main source of our funding is you, the listening public. We would never be able to make it on just advertising dollars alone. We need you to support these shows. They've allowed us to uh, make this a full-time job, allowed us to make other cool stuff, buy audio equipment, feed our kids, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Uh, feed them, clothe them, clothe them, put a roof over their heads. They've gotten so spoiled. Uh, but, <laughs> and we're only able to do that through your support. If you can pledge five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, it would be huge. And you'll get some cool gifts like uh, bonus content at $5 a month over 200 hours of it. Sydney and I made a whole new podcast called Fast and Furious and Justin and Sydney that uh, at least four episodes are up now. There may be more by the time you uh, listen to this. We've recorded six, so... They're, they're there. It's coming. It's happening. And two more will happen. $10 a month gets you a cool pen. Ours is a picture of a unicorn that says homeopathy means pretend. It's uh, Or homeopathic means pretend. Um, it Designed by Megan Lynn Cott. There's pens for all the shows. But really what you're doing is supporting the stuff you love. So please. Thank you if you're a member. Thank you if you're thinking about it. This is a great time because you get a gift while you're becoming a member. Wonderful gift. MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Um, but Sydney, we're not here to just talk about our uh, desperate need for uh, funding. Um, uh, we we have another topic too because we couldn't fill. Well, we could probably fill thirty five minutes with begging, but let's not. No, please, please, no. Uh, although I was just begging there, so I'm yeah, begging right. you. <laughs> um, you know, usually I name who gave me the inspiration for this. For, for each of my topics. Mm-hmm. And I guess this time I have to give the credit to Penn and Teller. Yeah. Uh, Justin and I were re-watching old episodes of, I can't say the name of the show on our show. Because it's BS. It's got a bad word in it. Yeah. It's got a curse. And it inspired me. One of the episodes inspired me 
to do an do a show about Dr. Joycelyn Elders, you know, uh, former uh, Surgeon General of the United States. Can we talk about BS for a second before yes. we move on to Joycelyn Elders? We uh-huh. realize we've been rewatching old episodes of the show, and um, while obviously not everything uh, has held up wonderfully in the uh, fifteen years since the show was made. Uh, we did realize how much of a big part of watching this show before we did Sawbones uh, many, many years ago um, was part of Sawbones itself, like that, that thinking critically and challenging things. And there's even some episodes that are, you know, uh, going after alternative medicine, stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, sort of foundational roots of I don't I don't typically use the word skepticism. I, I think like practicality, logic based, science based is, is a little more. For me, it's about preventing people from being taken advantage of. And in, when you're talking about, um, usually you try to lay off of people's beliefs because if as long as they're not harming anyone. And the problem with medicine is that sometimes they are very directly harming people. And I feel like that's when things become fair game. Yeah. When well, you're doing harm, because that's the opposite of what we do. And uh, I think Dr. Joycelyn Elders would agree. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she appeared on an episode. That's true. That's true. Um, Where she and, was lauded. Yes. Heartily. Yes. Uh, yeah. Appearing on an episode for being anti BS. Yes. Right. Which is the same reason I'm celebrating her on this show uh, today, because usually on Sawbones, we're talking about like if we focus on a person, mm-hmm. it's because they were like a snake oil salesman or they did something really wacky. Um, in this case, I like to think that Joycelyn, Dr. Joycelyn Elders was in the midst of a lot of... You're about to just use her first name like you guys were bros. I know. Bros. We're not friends. I wish we were friends, but we're not friends. Um, she's still with us. Yeah. yeah. Finally, a Sawbones episode where Sydney doesn't get to announce their death. <laughs> I like that. But sure, she's putting her large she- obituary stamp her, <laughs> that she stamps on every episode. She's putting it back in the comically oversized drawer if it's in. She was the voice and continues to be the voice of reason in the midst of a lot of medical history ridiculousness, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to focus on her and celebrate her as I think a, a figure in medical history that is certainly celebrated and talked about, but should be more so. Okay. Uh, so I was alive during the time that Dr. Elders served as Surgeon General to the United States. I don't remember much of it because I was pretty young. This was in 1993, 1994. Yeah. Can we actually, real quick, what is a Surgeon General? Like in charge of, I mean, in a sense, you help like guide administrative policy, executive administrative policy in terms of all matters, health and medicine and that kind of thing. You're in charge of the U.S. Public Health Service officially. Be a good episode sometime. Yeah, we could, we could talk into it about it that. List. But uh, but it's I mean, it's a big deal. It's like top doctor. Top you doc. know, that, that's an easy way to America's think about it. America's current top doc. <laughs> America's top doc. Um, you get the ear of the president when it comes to issues, issues medical. And that's a big deal. Right. Um, I don't remember a lot of the controversy around her dismissal. Obviously, she was only Surgeon General for a year. So there's more to this story. You may already know it. You may not. Uh, I don't remember a lot of it because I was pretty young. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that even though it happened in my lifetime that I knew when I look back at it, reading about it now through the lens of 2020, um, it's amazing to me to see how ahead of her time Dr. Elders was in a lot of her positions, how much of it makes total sense and would be widely accepted uh, today 
by by many, not all, but by many of us. Um, but at the time, it was very controversial for her mm-hmm. to speak out about these progressive ideas. And then I think something that remains true, unfortunately, to this day, because not only was she progressive and spoke out about the things she believed in, she is a black woman and she was speaking out about things in ways that made people uncomfortable right. um, and challenged the white power structure that still has not been dismantled in this country. And so I think that her refusal to be silent would still be a challenge for her. It still is a challenge for her. But anyway, so let's let's get into her history. Dr. Elders was born in Shawl, Arkansas, which I guess is not too far from Hope, Arkansas, which is is going to help determine, I think, the course of events as we move forward. Because mm. as you may know, probably know, Bill Clinton is from Hope, Arkansas. Right. Yes. Right. Um, she was born in 1933. She was the oldest of eight children. Uh, her birthday is actually pretty soon. I believe 80, what would that be? 87th birthday? Yes. Good for her. August 13th. Crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can celebrate that with her August 13th. She, her, her name was Minnie Lee Jones when she was born. She would later add Joycelyn herself uh, in college. So cool. I know. <laughs> I think it's very cool. Her parents were sharecroppers. Uh, they did not have a lot of money. She, she reports that she actually never saw a physician until she was 16 years old. That was the first time she went to a doctor. God, imagine. Yes. Sheesh. Um, there's a great interview where I got uh, with her from back in 1994, where I, I read a lot about her history from her own in her own words. And she talks about that when she was younger, she wanted to be a laboratory technician because it was the only thing she'd heard about. Hmm. She said she didn't know that you could be a doctor because, as she says, you can't be what you don't see. She didn't know that uh, as a black woman, she could be a doctor. She didn't even think she could be a clerk in a clothing store because she'd never seen a black clerk in a clothing store. So she assumed it was not an option for her. Um, That's really, I mean, that's. Yes. You can't be what you don't see is like fair. I I think Mm -hmm. that's really, you know, it's funny um, for me growing up as a young white boy in West Virginia I didn't see podcasters. <laughs> and so this I'm, is the same. <laughs> I'm sort of equally, God, I'm sort of equally inspirational. This is already a very uplifting episode, Sydney. I feel right. great about this. Right. What? Mm-hmm. Let's hear some other parallels about me and Dr. Joyce Lillard. <laughs> so uh, she excelled at school. She would go on to become valedictorian of her class and receive a scholarship to Philander Smith College, which is a private, historically black college in Little Rock. Um, still still going to this day. Um, she tells a story about when she when she went, uh, she her her brothers and sisters had to help her get together enough money to get some clothes to wear to go to college and the bus fare. Um, they actually had to help her. She, they were like picking cotton and what'd she say, like trapping raccoons to raise enough money for her to go. So, I mean, really worked worked every step of the way to get to where she she is today still Uh, so she went to college there she got her uh, bachelor's in biology and while she was there she met uh, a a female physician the first black woman to study at the university of arkansas medical school dr edith irby jones who she to this day um, says was a huge inspiration to her because she saw that this was a viable career path for her as well she could do this too um and 
she decided after meeting her that she also wanted to be a doctor, specifically a doctor that could help kids. That was her number one goal when she was young was I want to grow up and be a doctor who can help children. So uh, she spent her pathway wasn't direct. She spent some time first as a nurse's aide in a VA hospital. She would go on to join the army herself Um, while she was in the army. She trained to be a physical therapist. And then finally, by 1960, she was able to enroll in medical school at the University of Arkansas um, and get on on her path on her chosen path to a residency in pediatrics, a fellowship in endocrinology and uh, an MS in biochemistry as well. So once she had all those credentials, her, her expertise as a physician, the respect she earned from her community with her, um, with her knowledge base and with her skill set and her ability to affect change. um, She was named eventually the director of the Arkansas department of health. And As soon as she got into that position, she began to, well, she was already doing this, but she continued her stated goal of helping kids, Mm -hmm. making a difference in children's lives. And one of the big things she wanted to combat was teen pregnancy, which I would say in many rural areas, uh, you see this as a larger problem. It's a problem everywhere, but you can see this especially in in some rural areas. And it was in Arkansas. I, I would echo that sentiment in West Virginia. Um, and she saw this in her words, she saw this as a, a form of slavery that mm. still existed, especially for young black women, because they black women disproportionately did not have access to contraception the way that white women did. Mm. There were many. She talked about a textbook that said um, white women's uh, and this this is from the textbook. I should say that a more exact form of this would be white people who have periods have regular periods, whereas black people who have periods have irregular periods. Now, why would it say something like that that isn't true? I don't know. Because white people had access to contraception and birth control pills that can regulate cycles in a way that black people did not have access. So it would seem that white people's cycles were more regular when really it was just a It was an access to contraception difference. Mm. Uh, And so one of the things she really wanted to do was combat the teen pregnancy rate by providing access to contraception and talking about it, Um, creating like school based health clinics where you could talk to somebody about sexual health, where you could access contraception, access condoms, you know, get get the information and, and the stuff you need to protect yourself. I, I think people who I, I feel like we have a lot of listeners to this show that are maybe a, a gener like a half a generation behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can really appreciate and and maybe even we're kind of a little young to appreciate what a big battleground this was in the like early nineties, early to mid nineties. This idea of like should kids be taught safe sex was the the presuming question like Mm -hmm. the sort of like overarching question moral question i think of the of the the era like it was a massive massive yes uh, battleground yeah even more so than abortion at that exact moment like i I remember hearing at least a lot more about it um in that moment this idea that like we should be teaching kids safe sex it was like a huge 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 conversation and it wasn't i mean i think part of it is our area abortionists is not talked about in this right area of the country much. I know that seems like an odd statement to make, but it's not because it's still so it's it's so taboo to even discuss here. 
um, that certainly in our schools it wasn't talked about. And I would say there are probably other rural areas where that's true. And I think that the the thing that Dr. Elders really understood is the intersectionality of this issue. The fact that it's not just um, it, it wasn't just that all teens weren't getting access to contraceptive services and like sex education, um, because, as she said, there were a lot of uh, young white people who were on birth control pills to, quote unquote, regulate their periods uh, because they do that. Now, were parents sort of accepting this is also going to keep you from getting pregnant, but we're not going to talk about it or acknowledge it? Was it like a massive self-deception we'll all pretend this isn't for sex even though it is definitely 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 for I, I mean i feel like i was part of that i was put on birth control pills when i was 14 years old to regulate my period nobody ever said it was for prevention of pregnancy but it would have done that had i been in that situation and and what dr elder said was very true black people were not given this option they were not being given the option to start contraception for those reasons. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, th there's more to the issue than just all young people didn't have access. So she spoke out about this, the school based uh, clinics that, that spread throughout the state of Arkansas made a huge difference. They saw a huge decrease in the teen pregnancy rate. Uh, under Dr. Elder's leadership, um, just speaking honestly, a lot of it is also just sex education, talking about it. Mm hmm. Which, again, like you said, was totally taboo. The idea that somebody would honestly talk to you about the fact that, like, there is sex and it happens. Um, that was a that was a big deal. Uh, I had a health teacher get fired for talking too openly with us about sex back then. Um, so anyway, she addressed other issues as well. A lot of it, like I said, was focused on teen pregnancy. Even as Surgeon General, she would later say that was her number one things she wanted to help combat but she also saw like a 24 percent rise in the immunization rate for two-year-olds so she was a huge advocate of getting of getting kids like preventive health services even in rural communities that weren't getting necessarily the kind of attention they needed let's get kids their immunizations um, expanding the availability of hiv testing and counseling she was a huge advocate for um expanded like hiv treatment and testing early on when, uh, especially if you compare that to previous administrations, lack of response at all mm -hmm. to HIV, uh, Dr. Elders was a huge shift in that to let's let's talk about this. Let's head on, confront this. Let's diagnose it. Let's treat it. Let's let's do this. Let's actually address the problem. Um, she was a big advocate for breast cancer screenings, expanded that better hospice care. So like lots of other Issues. It wasn't just teen pregnancy, um, but she did promote sex education, hygiene, prevention of substance abuse, things that would become were and would become like hot button issues as she progressed in her career. Um, and it seems inevitable because here she is in Arkansas. She's making all these differences. She's in this position of state leadership. We're at a point in history where, as you may or may not know, the Clintons are about to inhabit the White House. It seems very obvious that when he would be elected president, one of his first appointments would be Dr. Joycelyn Elders as Surgeon General. Um, she was loved by the left. Progressive organizations were very excited about this appointment. She was an advocate for the LGBTQ community, for better HIV education treatment, abortion rights, sex ed. She'd be the first 
She was, she is the first black Surgeon General. She's the second woman Surgeon General. Um, so it was a good pick from both qualified to do the job well perspective and for Clinton from a political perspective. Right. She was a great pick. What could go wrong? N- not, I don't know. Nothing? I'm going to tell you. But first, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. So, Sid, I'm ready. I've girded myself emotionally. What what, what could go wrong with this amazing Mm. person? Well, as you may imagine, it wasn't an easy battle. The appointment to Surgeon General, the confirmation of of Dr. Joycelyn Elders was not 
was not smooth. It was not a smooth confirmation process. I feel like I understand a, a lot of this just from the West Wing. <laughs> the, yeah. There was also, um, her being from Arkansas was, uh, it was a thing when when he came into office. Like there was a, remember they talked about this on, um, I think it was on Fiasco, the idea that he was just filling the White House with people from Arkansas. That yes. He was just basically bringing his, I think they called it the Capitol Hillbillies. Mm -hmm. It was like the joke, like we're, we're, Loading up the trailer and bringing everybody from Arkansas to to fill out the you know the, which is a lot of like rural bias in there that like yes. people from Arkansas can't also be you know national leaders and so you can imagine how much we harder never get that in West <laughs> yeah I have no connection to that but you can imagine though whatever connection we may have on that level to the the yes as people from a rural state everyone assumes we're dumb uh, but. Even more so, here she is. She is from a rural area of the country. She grew up poor from a, you know, a very rural part of a rural state, of a poor state. She is black. She is a woman. And the the beating she got in the confirmation hearing, I think she said, I came in as a steak and I left as hamburger or something like that were her words. But the Republicans at the confirmation hearing were just terrible to her. They called her unimpressive and foolish hmm. some very some very thinly veiled language there yes uh she was belittled as a person as a physician um everything about her was called into question it, it's amazing knowing all this that she was confirmed um, but she was uh after she was members of the american medical association tried to pass a resolution in in because they were so upset by this, tried to pass a resolution saying that only doctors could be appointed Surgeon General. Now, why would they do that? I don't know. They didn't believe she was a doctor. Who didn't? These members of the American Medical Association couldn't fathom that this black woman from rural Arkansas could be a doctor. So they tried to pass this, which was meaningless because she, you know, is a doctor, but they just and they didn't even do the research. I mean, I know this was like pre Google, but you could have asked anyone. They just assumed that there's no way she can be a doctor. Let's pass this resolution so this never happens again. Well, it's ridiculous because, you know, yeah, she's a doctor. Anyway, uh, as you if you were alive at this point in history and old enough to be aware, as you may know, this this um the, the what were the Capitol Hill Billies coming to the White House and this progressive revolution that she could have been a, a part of was very short lived. Yes, because uh, the the 1994 midterm election would kind of spell the end of whatever Bill Clinton's progressive plans actually were. I don't know what's in his heart, whatever he really wanted to accomplish. The end of that was spelled in 1994. With the Republican Revolution. Yeah. Uh, Newt Gingrich led uh, a group of Republican Congress people and senators to, um, in his contract with America, to victory. Uh, they unseated 54 members of the House and eight of the Senate, flipped all those seats red. Um, and basically that would, that would really change the course of like Clinton's policies, what he was able to get done. Um, because everything was a compromise with Newt Gingrich and, and the GOP at that point. Yeah. Um, and many of his politics would start to shift to the middle. 
from the left, which I would say they weren't they weren't at nearly as far to the left as I am anyway. But they definitely shifted further to a conservative perspective, and this would include medicine. As you may imagine, as I've alluded to with the confirmation hearing, the GOP establishment did not like Dr. Elders. Yes. They were not a fan. Uh, she, they call, they like to call her the condom queen mm. uh, because, you know, she advocated for birth control for those who needed it. <laughs> uh, what a, what a wild woman. Um, but she reportedly, this was a big thing that was made a lot of like media heyday out of. She had a condom tree on her desk. Uh, now what it was actually was a, someone had fashioned a bouquet of roses out of um, lifestyle condom wrappers that were red and she mm. did have that on her desk that's cool I am disappointed that she did not at some point plant a condom and a beautiful condom charge <laughs> from it well that's not a thing no but what if it had been certainly would make man that would make safe sex a lot easier if you could just tell teenagers just plant this condom tree in your closet grow this grow this get it next to the secret it, marijuana you're yeah, growing get grow light yeah <laughs> grow your condom tree don't no i'd advocate everybody talk to their parents but <laughs> anyway so she was an advocate for uh abortion rights as well i don't think we've we've talked as much about that yet but um at one point they asked her about it and she said we really need to get over this love affair with the fetus and start worrying about children you can imagine how great <laughs> right the conservatives in washington felt about that statement um, you never heard Joyce LaBelle to speak. She gives no, we're not allowed to curse on this show. Mm -hmm. She gives no Fs. She is a, a pretty direct woman. Well, she just, she's very matter of fact because a lot of what she says is, well, I would say everything she says is evidence-based. And when she says that, well, I'm not sure about this, it's because we don't have the evidence to say yes or no on this yet. So I would say that this is possibly a good idea, but we need to study it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all very... I mean, it's good science. It's good medicine. It's the way someone who believes in the scientific method would speak. Uh, and so obviously she was she already had a lot of people against her. And beyond that, she also advocated for the legalization of marijuana. She said it was something that should be studied. Uh, she at that point said we don't have enough evidence to know all the effects of decriminalization or legalization, whatever we were deciding, of marijuana. We don't know yet. She said we need to study it because basically our current plan of arresting everybody and spending billions of dollars to keep all of these people in jail is a failure. And why do we have this? Why are we continuing this war on drugs that is failing? How about we study something that might actually work? Yeah. That was all she said, which, is, again, today is not that controversial of a position, I would right, say. Right. But at the time was very controversial. Actually, after she made these comments, her son, Kevin, was arrested for allegedly trying to sell cocaine to an undercover police officer hmm. very shortly after she made these comments in favor of decriminalization. I want to bet the right had a hand with that. Yes. And it. It was he the in the trial, his lawyer said that it was entrapment that was never proven. He ended up I think he was sentenced to 10 years, but only served like four months or something. And in more recent years, she has spoken more openly about his diagnosis of, you know, substance use disorder and about how he has been 
uh, sober for, I, I think when I was reading the article, it had been 15 years and he works every day to maintain that. And so she's been very open mm. about those things. But as, as to the timing of his arrest and the circumstances surrounding it, it's obviously very suspect yeah. um, I, I, for sure. So all of this, once the conservatives Wait, took- Wait, what is sus? I want to clarify, what is suspect? The fact that it, that- just within like it was two weeks after she made these comments supporting possible You're legalization. You're saying it was suspect in terms of like the charge, like the going after the son was like pretty sketchy considering yes. uh, it, it in seemed, the wake of what she had said. It seemed very politically motivated, Got the it. timing. That makes um, perfect sense. But I don't, I think, I think it's like a lot of things. There's nuance. Did he, did he use drugs? It seems from the history that yes, he did. But at that moment was... Was that actually what happened? Did he mm. actually try to? So right. I, I don't know. It, it all seems very convenient yeah. for people who yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. to make her out to be a bad person. Um, so anyway, people wanted to attack Clinton for moral reasons. Certainly Bill Clinton could give them got many. Him, got him a little bit. On his own. He, he didn't really that. need. He, he certainly didn't need help from um, this amazing human, Joycelyn Elders. But uh the GOP uh, in Congress at the time felt that she was a good target because of all these beliefs and this landslide victory in 94 gave them the, the footing on which to do it. And all she had to do was say the wrong thing. So on December 1st of 1994, and this was, I mean, again, this is a month after the midterm elections. So on December 1st, she was at a UN AIDS conference in New York and a psychologist there, Dr. Rob Clark, asked her a question, um, basically saying, should we have a more explicit discussion and promotion of masturbation when we're talking about different methods we could use to stop the spread of HIV? And in response to that, Dr. Elders talked about how she is a big adv advocate of sex education and her quote was, as per your specific question in regard to masturbation, I think that it is something that is part of human sexuality and it's a part of something that perhaps should be taught, but we've not even taught our children the very basics. That was her response. Now, what do you think the headlines were after Dr. Elder said uh, this? Elders endorses teaching children how to masturbate. Yes. That was exactly what her opponents needed. So the that not only did they say she wanted us to teach our kids to masturbate, but that we should teach our kids in school how to masturbate, uh, which is if you think about if you parse what mm -hmm. she is saying, it is actually like three different ideas. She's saying, yes. that like, yeah, people masturbate. Yeah, we should teach people that that's part of normal life, but we're not even teaching children, our children who could be any age, don't mm -hmm. have to be like little kids. What we're not teaching them the basics of sex education. We're not teaching them anything. Yes. But they have like conflated those into one damning sort of thing. And yes, I did use that word. I don't think that that was a profanity in this sense. Okay. 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 <laughs> so this was exactly what, what people needed to use against her. This was the fodder they needed because they could make headlines out of it that could confuse everybody and upset everybody and inflame everybody who already was against her for a million reasons. Um, and Clinton had distanced himself from her positions before when she talked about legalization of drugs, he had kind of said, well, we, we don't really see eye to eye on everything. Um, but I support her 
autonomy in her position and, and those kinds of like vague political stances. But this was the one, apparently this was the hill to die on. He couldn't, he had to deny her for this. So he asked for her resignation and the administration uh, made it clear in press releases that if she did not resign, she would be fired. So this was not that they wanted to take a very strong position against masturbation in this in this moment in history. And I think I think it's very clear that obviously this was part of Clinton trying to move further to the right because of this election, but also she is a black woman who arose to this position of power and this threatened white supremacy in many ways and so removing her from that position was very important to her opponents. Mm -hmm. Um and they found a reason to do it. There was a lot of outcry from more left-leaning organizations. Planned Parenthood was very upset about this. A lot of LGBTQ and abortion rights groups were upset. Um, HIV activists were upset because they saw in Dr. Elders someone who could really address all these issues, who could really move things forward in a scientific way, in an evidence-based way, and give a lot of like scientific legitimacy to these groups that were kind of seen as like fringe left at the time, but were actually speaking about critical medical needs there, for many members of our country. There is a uh, West Wing episode that is obviously inspired by this. And it's yes. so hilarious. It's hilarious mm -hmm. in hindsight because the, what the West Wing episode is about is the Surgeon General, who is white, by the way. So it's not yes. like it's not getting all the nuance. But the, the, the Surgeon General endorses uh, legalizing marijuana or at least studying it, mm -hmm. I think. And there's such an outcry that she resigns. And then the president says, no, I won't accept your resignation. And it's just like, would, what if that had – wouldn't that be a fun mm -hmm. world? To, like every West Wing episode, the fundamental question is, wouldn't that be a cool world to yes. live in? <laughs> Imagine if things were like this. Oh, well, they're not. Which, which again is why I think it highlights why the intersectionality of these issues is so important to discuss. Because I do think that in for, in the West Wing world, because you have made the Surgeon General white, it is more realistic that she would be given a pass mm -hmm. than a mm -hmm. black woman who is being held to a standard that nobody else is, um, unfortunately. So I just before I get into where she is today and what she is still doing, because obviously that was not the end of Dr. Elder's good work. She had a lot more to do. And she uh, she's very matter of fact about the whole thing. She wouldn't change a thing. She doesn't regret any of it. She was right. She knows she was right. And she's glad that she did what was right at the end of the day. Um, and she was. Abstinence education only and refusing to offer contraception or talk about contraception, refusing to talk about STIs or HIV or how to prevent it or all that thing, just telling kids don't have sex, all it means the only, all the evidence has shown that the kids who get this kind of education are more likely to not use protection when they have sex. That's it. They're not, I mean, they're either yeah. going to have sex or they're not. All you're doing is ensuring that they're not going to use a condom or some other form of contraception when they do. So she was right. It doesn't work. Um, banning abortion does not stop abortion. It just makes them more dangerous for the people, largely non-white people and poor people who are getting them. What I mean by that is white people and rich people who are getting them, it is not necessarily more dangerous for. Yes. Uh, and masturbation is normal. 
And obviously she didn't Thank mean. <laughs> this is why I keep telling everybody, anybody who will listen. And the it, guy at the post office. <laughs> I hope he's listening. It's normal. And that doesn't mean it's my car. I, I certainly don't want, Do I, want? <laughs> I certainly don't want school teachers teaching children how to masturbate. But that was never was but suggesting that, that. Well, exactly. That was not what Dr. Elders was suggesting or anyone else's. It's a miracle. I'm sorry. I was a, you know, a, 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 a preteen boy by some miracle. I figured it out. It's incredible. It's a, it's a miracle of biology. As a, well, as a lot of scientists will tell you, like the human animal will figure this out on their own. Monkeys um, figured it out. If as part of an of like a sex positive education, telling your children that this is a normal thing um, and encouraging them to maybe do it alone in their room and not in the living room, <laughs> I think is fine. Uh, but anyway, that all these things are a lot more accepted now, not by everyone, of course. And who isn't talking about legalization? I'm sorry, right. but like we have a, a an upcoming election where for a while in the primary, how many of the candidates were supporting that? Yeah. You know, I mean, this this none of these ideas are so far to the left that they're outrageous. She was just saying but them. They were far enough to the left that we still haven't done them some, you know, that's uh, 25 years later. Well, that is true. All she did was say the stuff that people have believed for a long time, but she was unafraid to say it out loud. She was ahead of her time. She was a progressive when many of the quote unquote progressives were not. And, um, and I think you could draw a parallel there between mm-hmm. what she said in public and seeing someone like her say that in a public forum gave permission to the other people who would come after her who heard her say it. And I, without you know, attaching too much narrative weight to the thing. I think it's a, a parallel of her growing up and not seeing any doctors that looked like her. Mm-hmm. And if, if she didn't see it, she couldn't be it. And I think that that goes for saying these things in a public forum. Like once she said it, other people could, could, you know, start to say it out loud too. Um, and she, and she said things like uh, I was reading this, there's this great interview from the New York Times magazine from 1994 with her where you can read a lot of her idea. And again, like as you read these ideas, she is speaking the truth that we need to hear now. Um, In 1994, she says, we can't legislate morals. We have to teach them, kids, how to take care of themselves. I mean, she she is saying the things that are true Mm -hmm. to this day. uh, And it's very frustrating. She also talks about her husband in such an adorable way. But anyway... She didn't stop. Um, even though she wasn't Surgeon General, she uh, became a professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Science, uh, then a professor emeritus, um, still works lecturing all over on preventing teen pregnancy, on sexual health. She's spoken out since more in favor of legalization, as well as um, speaking out against the military ban on transgender members. Uh, she's spoken out against that. She was I think in charge of the yes that spoke out against that Um, she's worked with changing the face of medicine which seeks to uh, ensure that we have a higher percentage of black doctors in America because as we've talked about on the show before our numbers of doctors in this country our percentages of doctors in this country who are not white are ridiculously low and not representative of the population as a whole and again reflect the systemic racism that she talks about by the way in this interview the white power structure Again, in 1994, when these things I I think were not I know that they were being talked about by 
the black community at the time. I know that when I say they weren't being talked about, they weren't being talked about by a, a lot of the voices in power because a lot of the voices in power were white and they were one ignorant to them and two refusing to acknowledge them because they were part of it. Right. Um, but these things that I think we are as uh, white people coming to accept as having been true for years and we've been ignoring it. She was talking about in a, on a large stage in 1994 and that I'm certain that is what made so many people uncomfortable because it was the truth. Um, she said, I thought this was a great, Oh, by the way, she has an autobiography you can read. Um, Joycelyn elders, MD from sharecroppers daughter to surgeon general of the United States of America. So if you want to learn more, I would say get her book, read, read about it from her. Um, and, uh, she in, in one, uh, interview with us news and world report, um, no, in one interview with New York Times, they said U.S. News and World Report described you as she's intolerant, preachy, judgmental and overbearing. She's bright, articulate, passionate and kind. Is that an accurate description? And what she said in response to that was, it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm only overbearing to the people I need to be overbearing with. You've got to get people's attention before you can achieve change. As Surgeon General, you have to take a stand. People are either going to love you or hate you. This was but right before she was removed from office, too. You know, that's a lot like being a podcaster. <laughs> People are either going to love or hate your podcast, and you still got to, you know, podcast. All I'm saying is I would love she, – she's a hero. I would Put love her on to a meet stamp. her. I want, Put her on I want a coin. Her. Put on the dollar bill. Yeah. I, <laughs> we should be celebrating this this black woman physician – as a country, as a progressive leader in a way that I just don't, I don't feel like she's been elevated enough. We couldn't figure it out. Sydney literally mm -hmm. had me do, um, like, to try to find out why Jocelyn Elders is, uh, excuse me, Jocelyn Elders is not the, like, uh, a, a massive figure in mm -hmm. the uh, American landscape. I did, like, opposition research which, on Jocelyn Elders. I think the problem is that, like, white people don't know. Surprise! Any history that isn't white. I mean, that's our problem, right? Like I call us out. It's our it's our privilege. It's our it's the white supremacist power structure in this country. We don't we don't learn these things. Um, but she's amazing. Uh, her birthday's next look month. Bad. And I think that they have continued to to be so influential in the American political landscape that like that narrative can't it could not gain as much traction. She also never held it against him either. She was. She never well, spoke I out do. against him. I know. I know. Well, I, I mean, I do. <laughs> Obviously, that's not. There's a list yeah. when it comes to Bill Clinton. This is on it. Um, but uh, yeah, she 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 was very. She just went on about her good work. And okay, I'm done with that chapter. What's next? Uh, which is very admirable for What's her. Next? For, but anyway, so learn about her. Read about her. Read her book. Uh, put a poster up on your wall of Dr. Joycelyn Elders. I want one. I want a condom tree. Condom tree coming right up. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Reminder that we're entering the last week of the Max Fund Drive. If you could support our show, it would just mean the world. Maximumfund.org forward slash join. $5 a month. If you can put $5 a month, you will help uh, keep our shows going, help us make the things that we make, and help support the things that you love. So uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great 
uh, a great time to do that. Uh, you're, but you are running out of time if you want cool gifts, etc. Maximumfund.org forward slash join. Thank you so much to all our members, to all everyone who's joining, who's upgrading their membership, who's sharing, tweeting our show, yeah. everything. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you for listening. We'll be with you again soon. But until then, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.